I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. Hey, yo. Hey, Brian. Hey, Britton. How are you? Doing all right. How about yourself? Not bad. So it's free range discussion. I said to let the boys talk about whatever is on their mind. I don't know whatever you guys want to start with. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Getting real, huh? It's been real, but. <laughs> well, sure, sure. I, I mean, think people for those of us are waking up to it. Absolutely, man. Um, and I think for those of us, like I live basically smack dab in the middle of the country um, and in a somewhat densely populated area, but nothing like a real metropolitan area. Right. So I think it's going to take longer for the effects to be noticed by people where I'm at, as opposed to people on the coastlines and closer to the uh, the big hubs like New York and L.A. and places like that. Yeah, I believe you're right. I mean, you know, people are in a lot closer proximity and, you know, they tend to have to interact or go places to be able to survive in, you know, particularly in urban center. Um, it's unavoidable. About, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I mean, of course, I'm in Tampa Bay and there's quite a number of people in Florida and in particular my county. But, you know, I live on the outer edge of uh, Hillsborough County you know, just in the middle of the strawberry fields. I'm pretty isolated. So, you know, I do have neighbors. <laughs> can you hit your neighbor's house there. with a rock? I Yeah, I can. Probably. I have to throw really hard. That's, that's me too. I'd have to throw real hard, but I could probably do it. I don't think they'd like it. What about you, Chris? Yeah. I was just taking it day by day, you know, and not looking too far in the future, not thinking about the past, just putting everything in front of me and doing what I can the best of my abilities day by day. You know, right now I'm without a job, so I had to file for unemployment and staying in the house, trying to keep productive, trying to keep, you know, active and mobile and putting goals and actually putting that in action and not just talking about it. Absolutely, man. Um, I definitely agree with that mentality. I don't know if you guys have been following me on Facebook at all, but I've kind of been on a kick about, you know, government depression and is it really necessary? And I, I just want to make it clear to anybody who has been following me that I'm not trying to downplay the severity of the virus or the outbreak because I think it, it takes a personal initiative to isolate yourself. And if you isolate yourself, if you stay inside and if you stay away from people, that's, that's something that we all are going to do on our own. Right? So, I don't think the government necessarily needs to get involved in order for people to look out for themselves and prevent the spread of this disease. I kind of agree with that, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of government overreach at all. Uh, you know, I'm kind of an originalist when it comes to the Constitution. I'm a bit of a libertarian, but I, I don't claim any allegiance to any party simply because I think parties are what's wrong with politics mostly. I would hug you. I right don't know. Yeah. Oh, right in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just uh, the government really doesn't need to do a lot of things the government does. Uh, people are quite well capable of it. And I think that that's part of the insidious nature of it. You know, the more we want the government to do things, the less freedom we have. You ought to be able to do most things on your own for yourself or with others in your community or cooperating however you want other people the government really should be concerned about the common defense the things that you know it's spelled out in the constitution i think it was done well if you go back and look at it and understand exactly what it is i mean they've definitely violated it left right and center in my mind because it you know they just keep getting more and more latitude for people man i couldn't yeah. agree more i think 
in our society, we've gotten to a point where people are afraid of freedom because they are institutionalized. They have a set structure, a set standard for certain things. They have based a routine off of this. So they point fingers at the government saying we need help. And when they don't get what they want, so they start pointing fingers at the government. But when the government does come in to help, such as right now with quarantine, all of a sudden everyone pointing fingers again. Well, we don't want this, you know. Then some do want that. They want to be taken care of. They want to be provided for. And I think that's where level of compromise should come in hand. I agree. Government shouldn't have as much overreach as they do. But who do we elect to make the base decision off of the population that we have? So I think it's a double-edged sword on who takes responsibility for the things to take care of people overall. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has to be understood well by, you know, every generation. And I think that's where we kind of started to fall off the wagon about 30, 40 years ago. Because it kind of stopped teaching this. And it kind of stopped, I don't know, in the sense of the civic involvement where people did hold their government accountable often. You know? <laughs> it was just, uh, I, you know, we've gotten away from it. If you read any of the Federalist Papers and then the Anti-Federalist Papers, you know, it was basically around the creation of the Constitution. And they were arguing back and forth. And a lot of these were published in journals and uh, newspapers at the time. I think there's a link on the middle ground. I've got a couple of links out there. You know, there was a, a hot debate about whether there should be a Bill of Rights or not, what those should be. Seemed to be circling back to it a bit, but broader society, no. Uh, I think that if you ask them, you know, they don't want to be messed with. But to Chris's point, you know, there's an awful lot of people that just aren't capable of caring for their things themselves or don't want to be. Rather live in a, a more structured society. I guess I've had my thoughts about, you know, I think there should be a basic functional structure to society, you know, that includes healthcare and housing and water and you know, food. Those types of things, good education, should be just a normal thing. Basically, you're saying that if a government has any purpose, that purpose is to serve the people. So why don't we have our government serving the people? Well, it's been usurped by corporations. Bingo. It's been happening for 50 plus years. And of course, you know my mantra, you're, all politics is local, and that's where you start. That's actually how it was taken over, if you look at the history Corporate personhood. Cor yeah. Corporate personhood. Yeah. Right, exactly. It all started at the local levels and the state levels, and once those are kind of sewn up and tied up, you have the nation. It could be a dominoes game, right? But I personally might have my tinfoil hat on a little too tight, but I believe that most of these things have been engineered socially by corporations to achieve a goal of more profit. I mean, does that sound crazy? No. Not really, man. You also got to think about where our money is spent in this country in particular. You know, we're tacked to so-called help, you know, the country out with, you know, roads and police and whatnot. But our defense spending is huge, you know, compared to the, even the next 12 countries in line. You know, we could use and allocate that money, for example, to provide, you know, healthcare, schooling, proper education and whatnot. But because of corrupt leaders trying to protect their assets, they're not going to be willing to give up this because they're protecting their interests. Yeah, and a lot of I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, I think we we spend more on defense than the next eight nations combined, the largest eight nations combined. Yeah, defense spending is insane. People always like to point at Social Security and Medicare, and I, I've always pitched this out there. <laughs> a sense of look, Social Security and Medicare both separately are privately funded by a dedicated tax. Each one of them have a dedicated tax and they're in a private trust, a separate trust. And by law, they can't contribute to or run a deficit. 
yes, they're part of overall government spending. And if you take them in relation to other programs that the government spends money on, they're one of the biggest expenses. But they're self-funded already. They're not, you know, everything else, <laughs> the deficit is being driven by things like defense spending and everything outside of Social Security and Medicare. And people don't get that. They just see that it's one of the biggest you know, expenditures of the government. Well, yeah, but they also have a dedicated tax and it's in a separate dedicated trust and it's solvent through, I think, 2031. You know, and there's different ways to, to fix that. They just refuse to do it. But defense spending, yeah, that the next largest, followed by Veterans Affairs and then on into other programs. But uh, I think that uh, our government really, you know, part of the issue is the way that they pass legislation. You know, the, the writers that go on to bills all the time. I, I've often said, if you're going to introduce a bill, then you should not be able to throw writers on it. And they say, well, nothing would ever get passed because in order for this representative to vote for your, your bill, they want to put a writer on it tax on you know 20 million dollars for a bridge in their community because that employs people in their community and it gets things done in their community so the way the government is structured and the way it works is incented to be corrupt uh, so it really needs a remake of rules around the way congress operates <laughs> ethically morally and you said they need to be focused on people not profit i'd like to add even in addition to the you know the obscenity of defense spending just consider the uh the stimulus that the Fed made a couple of weeks ago where they injected 1.5 trillion, I think it was, into the stock market to prop it up for about five minutes. And then it just went right back to where it had been. Yeah, yeah it seems I, like I, they just siphoned money out, huh? Yeah, yeah where if did you look that at money the, come from exactly? How, how do they just, they just kind of printed it, it seems like. It's exactly what they did. All it does is devalue currency. So the more trillions that we print, you know, the... <laughs> The cheap, the worse off the dollar is, and the dollar is the basis of the world economy, really. I have the feeling that it's inevitable at this point, you know, in the sense of the, the way that this curve is going, that it's going to cause an economic collapse. I mean, that this debt bubble was overdue, and we're just, you know, adding to it exponentially now at this point. And it's transferring wealth away from people to banks and corporations, and most of the two point whatever what was it, two and a half trillion dollars for this most recent stimulus? That was, you know, 15% or 300 billion went to people. And the rest of it is going to corporations, banks, and other things to try to keep people employed or to try to generate loans or this, that, or the other. It's basically trying to perpetuate the, <laughs> the way things are. I mean, it's just corporate uh, welfare as usual, right? Right, Absolutely. it is. Except now it's just creating a divide between the essential and non-essential workers at the moment. And isn't it odd? that you know the the essential people right, i think i've seen it posted many times are the ones that we don't want to pay more than ten dollars an hour it's crazy it does highlight what's important and what's not important you know i've had some thoughts as to maybe how do we change that model i mean how do we change the there's a fiat currency so you have to go earn currency in order to buy goods or services or any or pay your bills anything else gotta roll out how the robots man how would the world look if this wasn't the need? I've often thought, like I said, going back to the healthcare, housing, food, water, education, the ability to move freely, those types of things, if that was just a default in society, that those things were covered and cared for, 
And they put a fiat currency on top of that. Sure. You know, I don't care if it's a cryptocurrency. People that work in those professions that provide those trades and professions can be granted a little extra income from that in the sense of the, the fiat currency of use. Uh, and people that don't work in those types of professions can still earn trade. But those things are just a given. You know, I think you mean the way the way that like K through 12 is just a given. You don't ever have to pay a bill. You don't have to worry about that. Taxes pay for it. Everybody gets it. Right. Right. Exactly. And it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a, a cost basis if you if you want to consider that because you know we assign a value to something we tend to believe that's what it is look if i build a hospital or if i build a school and you know we provide the, the infrastructure and the necessary materials to use that and then people come along and staff it and do have a reward system for delivering the services and stuff like that on top of it i think that's probably how that would work who was that to said uh bring on the robots uh, jay jay hey jay um Amen. yeah no i think that's, that's coming that's coming you know and i think that yes this auto speed it up you know in the sense of we got we're gonna have to wrestle with certainly had it ready later out is what you mean it's it's all sort of prepared it's waiting it's in it's just in wait right now yes we're gonna have to deal with it one way or the other i want to add also to what the american population spends their money on as well and who we've put in power as well like with entertainment movies hollywood stars sports and how much more money that they make who are not essential compared to the people who are busting their butts right now to keep this country afloat. But you know, we're part of the problem in putting this money into the wrong places. So we have a stadium, for example, being built in Las Vegas by the taxpayer money. And we're okay with this for some reason. I think so much of that is that just considering the way that the that these essential workers live their lives, you know, most people at the sort of the bottom of the chain, their only alternate is this kind of escapism. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that so much money goes towards those things is because people are kind of desperate to escape the drudgery of their daily lives. Bread and circuses. My, it, we might have to entertain it, each it, other. <laughs> I think that's true. I mean, in a sense of the system is designed that way, though to keep people in the lower rung uh, and dependent on having to use the system. That's why I guess it was the last time we were together. We I said, grow a garden. That actually makes you less dependent on the system. <laughs> so, you know, if people start to focus on steps, small steps that make them less and less dependent, they're more and more able to be free of it and be able to kind of act on their own interest. I, I think they put roadblocks up for that too as well though you know like uh making it illegal to use rain barrels that gather the they, rain from your gutters they do uh and i think that those policies ought to be trampled me too i mean and those policy makers ought to be trampled in the most literal sense as well um the people we've elected to make decisions for us are failing us on a massive scale agree it kind of makes me wonder how they're going to approach the idea of uh drawing things outside you know if they're gonna try to say that it can jump to the plants or and you know whether this virus can be spread via the crops eventually to try to right scare what's, what's going to be their bullshit that. answer right sure yeah because i mean does anybody have a legitimate reason why we're not allowed to gather rain and rain barrels of course not it seems to me that insofar as the system seems broken and stupid it's actually working very effectively it's designed to it's do exactly doing exactly what it's supposed to right the justification that they use in like california or water poor states like that is the more people that collect rain keeps it away from the aquifer maybe 
But, you know, I don't think my three or four barrels of rainwater is going to make that big of an impact. Even if you spread that among a million people, that well, water goes right back into the ground. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's not like they're hoarding it, saving it for some uh, rainless day, right? They're using it to water their lawns and their gardens, and it's going right, right back or, to the source. Yeah, you flush your toilet with it, it still goes back in. <laughs> it is, exactly. All of it goes right back out. It goes down the drain or back into the ground. Really, there is no reason for that law at all. And I'll, I'll bet the policymakers who decided that was going to be the case, they probably got reelected even. And I bet you Nestle funded that. You know, so, uh, <laughs> I'm Nestle sure they were strongly financially incentivized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nestle has been trying to buy water rights everywhere and privatize water. And I think they've stated and gotten a couple of politicians to agree with them that water is not a human right. Yeah, they did. And they, that just absolutely happened. It's just necessary for life. You know, I, I don't the water know. stuff was crazy when I was living in Utah. I mean, just the rules that they have on when you can utilize it. You know, like I think it was somewhere around between, I want to say, four or five in the morning to like eight or nine for average people. That might not be the exact number, but there were people exploiting, you know, going around that as long as they were part of farms, as long as they had water rights. But the people had to follow these really ridiculous laws regarding that. So between the environment and between the culture, I can only imagine the bureaucracy is insane surrounding something like that. Yeah. Well, think about and golf, you know, fuck. An elephant in the room that nobody ever talks about is that in this country, we put more water on our lawns than we do our crops. So anybody yelling about a water shortage that goes home and spends billions of dollars a year to grow their grass, to spend billions of dollars a year to cut their grass, has fallen from one of the biggest scams there ever has been. I mean, well, Tiger ridiculous. Woods and Arnold Palmer did more to, to kill the water than uh, any of us. <laughs> well, grass is not even natural. You know, the grass is not natural in the wild unless you're like in the prairie somewhere in the middle of the country. You know, to have a more beneficial environment for flora and fauna, have your lawns where they're typically made organically. You know, it'll help the environment on top of that. But people think about the beautification of everything. Well, yeah, and we could work to get independence if everybody grew something edible instead of something that you have to spend money to cut like raised garden be, yeah that can even be used for barter you know so there you go i mean you know it's less dependence on the need for money if you know you want to go trade i got an excess of tomatoes you know maybe i've got five bushels and i only need a half a bushel you know you got four and a half to trade that's that's definitely a thing it's always tomatoes and cucumbers isn't it tim always <laughs> and the american lawn is just this you know like symbol of decadence i mean it's a holdover from the feudal era where if you owned land and you had a lawn you were saying hey look i don't even have to grow food i can just do whatever i want with this it is kind no of kidding great. yeah it was a way to brag about your status wasn't it exactly i don't know if anybody's ever looked into some of the crops and stuff like organic crops and whatnot I mean, years i mean decades really i mean i grew up that way but i spent my middle years away from it and you know i've been doing it for a couple of three decades now as far as growing my own food and raising my own food but wheat is a staple used to make flour and hence bread they always called it the staff of life try to buy some wheat that you can grow it is very regulated it's very hard to get a hold of and you can buy some organic wheat grass but it's i mean if you wanted to make a crop of it that's kind of hard to do i farmed for a little bit and you know, as i mentioned a couple of weeks ago and i found out that organic on a small scale very very easy to do and very beneficial but on a large scale because we've used pesticides and insecticides fungicides on our crops to get rid of all the vermin basically well the problem now is we're trying to feed the world now and we have lots of weeds we have a lot of 
pests. And to do that on such a large scale, you'd have to be hiring tons and tons of physical labor to physically remove weeds and whatnot versus chemical. So we've kind of kicked ourselves in the in the butts on, on in a sense trying to feed the world on a large scale and gone away from organic. So now we have added other problems on top of it because we were trying to control nature yet again. Yeah, this you is know, where the natural sciences come in because there there are ways to use natural predators and other things of that nature to uh, encourage or discourage the growth of different things and the uh, the spread of different pests. It's, uh, it's something that should be looked into way more. And why haven't we figured out how to synthesize insect pheromones yet? would be the best pest killer there is. Just tell them not to go there in their own language. Exactly. What do you guys think about? Yeah, like hemp? No, just smoking weed out in the field. It uh, (laughs) does wonders. (laughs) Pretty sure the plants do too. What do you guys think about them stopping the sale of garden stuff like seeds and soil as non-essential items? That's ridiculous. Those are the most essential items. It is very essential. I think it's crazy. You know, again, the system is trying to prepare itself of course there's going to be resistance you know you just have to rise above and resist the resistance you know type of thing and there's going to be sticks eventually they'll start to like you say pass laws and then implement fines and jail times and stuff that's where you know you have to have a kind of a rally of people that are like-minded to resist that type of thing but in just growing a garden in your front yard or on your balcony or that's an act of resistance um, yeah, I did notice it is becoming a trend or they're stating that it's becoming a trend bringing back the victory gardens. So I found it kind of ironic how we see that and we see a push, you know, start to happen for that. And then all of a sudden people start posting that they can't buy this stuff anymore. Kind of makes everything a little bit more suspicious about, you know, just what's going on in general. There seems to be shortages of, of lots of things that, you know, people, you know, I think people are stocking up first off, but some of that is pretty suspicious. It's worth noting that my a friend of mine went to Japan sometime last year and he noted that apparently in Tokyo they were growing food everywhere in the city on almost every surface. I hadn't even heard of this. I mean, I was, you know, kind of a weeb in my teenage years, but I'd never know anything like that. But apparently that's what they do. Yeah. Say that again. Every rooftop. Every rooftop in the city can be can be utilized for green space, some solar panels, this, that, or the other. It can be used for anything. And doesn't that also cool saying that in Tokyo, uh in Japan, they grow food everywhere, it seems. And that's like one of the most technologically advanced areas in the world, right? Precisely, yeah. Interesting. A difference in culture. Absolutely. By the way, I have friends who are uh, playing a drinking game right now. When they listen to this, every time I say absolutely, they have to drink. So <laughs> I've been trying to pepper that in. And what about a right? They should do it on your rights. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I only know this because I do the editing. Absolutely. So these things, they're always going to be a fight, right? Like it's never not going to be a fight to live in a country with liberties, right? I suppose so. So how do we get people to get back into that mentality that they have to fight for their right to uh, live? Yeah, party. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, I mean, on the one hand that, you know, that's kind of an inevitable out when things get desperate enough. When people are pushed to a breaking point, that's guaranteed to happen. So it'd be nicer if we didn't have to get to that point and we could encourage them to do that, you know, as things stand rather than something terrible having to happen to many millions of people. I agree. You should license. It almost I, uh, seems like it would be worthwhile to uh, to poke the bear every so often just to keep people on their toes. What do you mean? I mean, you know, start an organization to push for some of the most fascist things that there could possibly be so people wake the fuck up and do something about it just continually. 
Well, yeah, no, I think people do go on autopilot. We haven't had go in a while, particular crisis point. I mean, mission in 2007 was about the closest thing, but we recovered pretty nicely, but all averaged to wait more of the system. When we come to these crisis points, these inflection points in history, I think that it could go one way or the other. You know, people can kind of start to wake up and say, enough is enough. Let's simplify the playbook and, and get back to more basics and make let's focus on people or... It can go the other way, and let's concentrate more wealth and power for the very few that have it and make everybody else subservient to that cause. The more people that start to realize that's what is, start to dream about how we might change it. But not that, you know, I'm, I'm not any one person that knows how to do it at all either. So, I mean, we all have to cooperate and we all have to live together. It does take everybody working together to things right. But there's always going to be people that will want to subvert, you know, to game the system and make themselves more comfortable than anybody else. Absolutely. And if they've had success at that in previous attempts, that just gives them more wealth and power to utilize to achieve success again. We're seeing as that snowball of these people have been accomplishing this so well for so long that our hands feel tied. This is true. You know, and I think debt is an unsustainable model. So I've, I've seen a few posts about it that, you know, it's just, of course, this is, is this a black swan event? You know, the, the economy is collapsing uh, and it has a very good chance of completely collapsing for the next year to 18 months, depending on how this continues to play out. I mean, to bring this back around to the earlier subject of automation, I kind of think like that's going to be the reckoning really is when mass automation reaches this critical point where it's basically no longer possible to employ people, you know, i.e. enslave them as once was just because all of those jobs were rendered obsolete what will happen then either you know the masses will be left to starve and die or they i think no that's what we're witnessing right i think that's the beginning this is the beginning of that i mean they've already labeled us essential and non-essential and my they've already, will be the already cut people from working i was going to say there's been a lot of talk they think it's the fall of the quote-unquote illuminati they see a lot of things happening there the fall of hollywood i honestly don't see it as anything like that if you do believe in the elites or i believe that they are breaking this game on purpose just to rebuild a new one. I think it's being done right under our noses. We keep seeing the articles about all the different things that they are passing and stuff. I think a revolution definitely needs to happen and it needs to happen now. If it's ever going to happen. Otherwise, just, yeah, we might I as agree. well just fall into it. Yeah. Why wait to lose your rights before you fight for them? Exactly. And I think typically people are of that mindset, though, Brian, in the sense that they, they tend to not act until they are affected. You know, people don't start to, you know, really notice that there's something afoot until it hits them in the wallet and the ability to do what they want to do. You know, those types of things that typically when when people say, hey, what do you mean? This is there's a law. <laughs> like, someone had to drown before they were ever going to invent the life vest. Right. Right. I've often said that it, it takes a crisis to motivate man masses of people. This particular crisis is one thing. We, we're all isolated right now for a few weeks and probably going to be for several more weeks, which gives people a pause to start to think about things. And particularly if, if you've lost income and you start to think, well, how the heck am I going to buy food or pay my bills? Or why is the system built this way? Shouldn't there be some type of basic structure to society to allow society to be a functional norm? and not have to worry about these types of things. That's one thing. But if this continues into a depression, and I've often said this, around 25% unemployment is usually with the tip point. You know, 25 to 30% around. That's typically when 
people can't feed themselves or their families and currency is devalued and things are falling apart, that causes revolution. That causes, you know, if you look at all of the ma major wars in the in uh, China changed its dynasty, it was always around economic collapses and always around people got to where they couldn't use the fiat currency of the day to trade anymore. The system broke and they kicked everybody out that <laughs> was in charge of it and built something new. That's usually what happened. And so I think that we're kind of, the government's trying to do everything in its power to keep that from happening. Because if that happens, they're fucked. Right. Because eat the rich is a real thing, you know, in the sense of, you know, people, like I said, when it, when it does impact people on a personal basis and enough people, particularly a quarter to a third of society, that's when, you know, the crap hits the fan, typically. Civil unrest starts and people are fed up with it. You know, it's just, look, look, I, you know, uh, a loaf of bread cost me $300 not, you know, <laughs> right. I'm stealing that. I'm not that. <laughs> it just breaks down at that point. It seems like in this case, you know, the COVID crisis is kind of a dress rehearsal for what may come next. I mean, either the COVID crisis is enough to really get people's attention and have them demand that certain things change that needs change or it's not and then you know the economic depression follows is just so bad that you know all hope is lost in some sense or at least it's a lot worse than it would be if people had mobilized earlier yeah see and i've got this fear that uh the 5g and the automation is all tied to this um in a sense that if when this happens this type of economic collapse happens and all of these things are already built so there's no jobs in manufacturing them even how how do you rebel against drones how do you rebel against artificial intelligence controlled society? Well, I mean, you, again, it's you need coders people, and hack. Right. Exactly. Yeah, fight fire with hack. fire. Exactly. But also, I mean, you know, look, you know, the machines may take most of the jobs that we have today that people do. And I think that's a coming thing. And you're right. 5G is going to enable that. The Biometrics. Internet of Things is, yeah. And, you know, the connectivity of machines is what this is designed to be and designed to do. But I think that people are still, you know, people, you know, so if they don't have to get out, it doesn't matter in the sense of how many machines are doing the work. <laughs> people are still going to rebel against that. So this has to be addressed in the sense of there has to be some type of reckoning to, okay, what do you do with all those people that are offset? Because you can't just let them starve and die. Well, maybe you can, but you're likely going to face a revolution if that's the case. If we restructure society to focus on the good of humanity and our biome that we live in to let the machines do the things that machines do and have basic structures to society that lets it function. I want, I want to clarify my concern. Art. I want to clarify my concern here. Um, marketing agencies right now have developed algorithms and uh, other different software that reads our behavior online in such an accurate way that they're able to essentially tell us exactly what to do with our purchasing power. Right. That kind of social control is only going to increase. They also predict what you're able to do. Well, that's that's a thing here. Uh, it's not so much of a thing in Europe. They really crack down. And it's up to us to crack down on here. Big data is a thing. You know, that's for sure. The way that our data is used digitally is really crazy and you can't get away from it here in our in american society if you have a credit card if you have a phone if you have anything they're all data points and they all get fed into many different databases and many different algorithms designed exactly what you said you know mainly to sell you things or tell you how to spend your money but also you know it's getting more nefarious in the sense of the way the government uses it those types of things so yeah i think we need to have a, a reckoning
in the digital world. I'd say the biometrics are going to really exacerbate that problem because I, I don't think people really consider the fact that their brains can be read by an interface, you know, and that it can translate into how their information is stored or how they're approached about information. Where do you stand on social scoring? Do you think that that is going to be applied here in the United States at some point? I think they're trending right now. It's somewhat inevitable unless we unless we stand up and say, no, enough is enough. It's another form of credit score. If, we, if we're going to do away with fiat currency or severely modify fiat currency, this becomes another form of control. And where I'm kind of concerned about that, especially, is because they have pushed things that called conspiracy theorists and such, or if you speak out against your government in any way, domestic terrorists. And that could definitely affect someone's social score for certain. I just see this being a very, very bad road to go down if we were to go down it. Yeah, I mean, if that were to happen, I would already be screwed with what already exists on the internet. Well, and they already have passed that. Like, um, I know they're trying to get where they want to check your social media before you get on flights. I think it was Australia that was doing it, that it was already putting that into play. But it's, yeah, it's very scary. Just kind of concerned about that because it seems like that's another thing that they're pushing during this whole virus outbreak as well is the domestic terrorist conspiracy theory type thing. And you know what kind of worries me as well is I know they were pushing this earlier before especially when the whole flat earth and the vaccine things were out and they were trying to say that, that it was to stop fake news and stuff. And where that concerns me is where we spread word now. Um, if we spread word about anything that we think is nefarious or anything like that, we could be flagged for fake news or we could be flagged as conspiracy theorists and completely shut off without spreading any of this proper information to get any sort of revolution going. It's like they're tying our hands down before we even get marching. Yeah, I recall there have already been multiple instances like of Facebook, you know, falsely tagging things as fake news for what appeared to be, you know, like bullshit political reasons, you know, they, which they later revoked after people threw a fit about it. But still, like that kind of thing appears to be happening. Well, I think it is. I think that, you know, there are two, ever since Snowden found the alarm collecting masses of data. Uh, used it, uh, Stephen Hawkins you know. broke through momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the case, you know, that we're, you know, I think that kind of control is, is just uh, another piece of the system trying to protect itself. And you have to have other means and other ways to communicate, you know, being, almost you got to think low tech, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the internet yes. reaches every, everybody, but you kind of got to network with the neighbors, you know, because that's, again, back to the all politics is local. And that's where everything, all the changes happen is in your local community and your town in your county than in your state and that takes the nation that's the way this works here it works that way everywhere really in the world that it's people that work together you know and i've i've got a short wave and a ham radio too so i can talk around the world if i needed to but you know that that's something else i ask people a lot i have some radio equipment <laughs> because if they look in authoritarian countries i mean china uh, places in the middle east if they get a, a mass of civil unrest they shut the internet off they're not going to play uh they don't want people communicating so you got to have other means it's probably important to especially do that now i did hear i don't know do any of you guys in here follow q i keep up with I, what's being said but it doesn't go much further than that i only know of him i've never followed him i'm unfamiliar okay so q is this i guess twitter i guess you can call him phenomenon he only goes by q and he, the things that he says is he calls this a pandemic planned was that the government was going to shut down the internet for 10 days it was already supposed to have happened 
So it hasn't happened. But is that something that any of you guys fear is going to happen? Or like if it did shut down, you guys would be. I mean, uh, from my perspective, I grew up without the Internet. First, I, you know, I didn't. The Internet didn't happen until the 90s. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so I'm kind of got a view of the world without it, you know, so I, I understand how that works. But, you know, in the sense of the way things are connected today and the way we are automating things, it would seriously undermine that effort if we were to shut off all of our connections and our networks, you know. So I think that, you know, the government wouldn't do that unless it was an absolute emergency last resort to try to quell um, an insurrection or something like that is why they would do something like that. I think that you need to have some other forms of communication in radios or even the little 20-mile radios or 30-mile radios you can buy at Walmart. You get one, the neighbor 12 miles away gets one, you know, those types of things, and you relay and then look at ham equipment or shortwave equipment to get much further. Those types of things are critical to be able to talk over distance, but it does come down to networking. The internet lets you work network with millions of people all at once, and if you have to boil it back down to a few people you trust, <laughs> then, then you, you got to do that, you know. I, I think it's it's a give and take, or, you know, it depends on action and reaction type of, type of situation with the way that is. As far as shutting off the internet, that's not going to uh, affect me in a sense of, I mean, that's how I work. I won't be able to work. Uh, you know, there's lots of things that now I won't be able to communicate, but that doesn't affect my ability to live or my ability to respond to that. Yeah, I, mean, and, I agree with I mean, Tim I, in that I think things would basically have to already be apocalyptic for any for the state to do anything like shutting down the internet at least in the west i mean if anything that would create an apocalyptic panic so unless that were already happening there would be very uh, little incentive to do that i think that's kind of where i was thinking too i was like why in the world would they shut down the internet do you know how crazy it would be like the tea party all over again we'd finally people have would, something people would riot in the streets to be sure if that happened it would be a modern historical scenario where they didn't imagine it happening and it's done and people are trying to find alternative ways to network and communicate. So it's just kind of like Pony Express and spoke signals aren't going to do anything. So short and long wave radios might be the best option. Well, the best option would be if we all just kept our landlines, right? I mean, does anyone have, what is it, a modem? Is it called a modem telephone? Like, what is it even uh, called anymore? Yeah, it's yeah. called a modem. Back yeah. to the OBBS technology, right? Yeah, we could just plug those in or make sure we buy one of those just in case, just get a landline telephone. I got rid of my cable. I believe like with my cable, it was cheaper if you got a landline phone number as well. Now it's like, oh, well, I wish I should have done that. I don't like also sitting in the negative. I would like to know what are some positive things that you guys are doing to pass the time in this little quarantine that we're having? Well, I've been practicing my, my music again. I dabble. I don't, I'm not an expert at any of it. Uh, cool, I, I grew up on bluegrass. I grew up in Kentucky. Uh, so I play a banjo and a mandolin, doorbell, nice. and a uh, resonator guitar. And I just recently invested in a, uh, an electric slide, lap steel type of guitar. My two favorite forms of, I guess, is uh, between bluegrass and blues. You know, those two, <laughs> those two tend to dominate my listening style often. But I, I'll listen to anything. I'm not a music bigot of any kind. I, I listen to almost everything. Yeah, music's a big thing i've been doing to pass the time i play a couple hours a day i've been drawing what are your guys' thoughts about what's happening or, or are you making any plans for what's happening after this whole thing hits i know a lot of people are kind of worried about having their jobs back and the economy collapsing are you guys all are still working i think correct i got laid off yesterday i got laid off about uh three weeks ago yeah 
but I have a guaranteed job back, so I'm not too worried about it. Essential employee, I'm still working. So what are your guys' thoughts or feelings or concerns of what's going to happen afterwards? Do you think we're going to be in, I mean, go back to the same scenario we were in, or do you think we're going to see a mass unemployment rate? I think we'll see a lot, a mass unemployment rate, and I think it'll be difficult to have even these small businesses come back. So we're going to have a lot of displaced people with the, and the economy itself is going to suffer for it. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Purely uh, small and medium-sized businesses are really going to struggle with this. You just can't survive. Often, you know, most businesses operate on a two to three week lead time as far as a constant rolling cash to loan to value, you know, how, however that works in the sense of uh, the cash that they have, you know, will keep them for, for the next couple of weeks and they have to operate to be able to keep that going. And that's just gone. I mean, you exhaust all the supply unless there's the ability for all of these businesses, all, you know, you think millions of small business, small and medium sized businesses are all of at the same time going to need business loans to be able to restart their businesses. So unless that's enabled, I'm afraid that we're going to see an awful lot of people without work. I kind of see that exact same thing happening. I feel like we're going to see a lot of independent businesses struggle. We're going to see even probably some of them who won't get back on their feet. And a lot of the American populace is still going to be very wary of what they're going to invest in. It's just going to be an absolute chaotic market. But yeah, just mass unemployment definitely it seems that just because of the fact that you know the economy is in no way structured to tolerate this kind of disturbance and this has to be the biggest social disturbance since world war ii it seems people are going to be laid off as is already happening on a mass scale just because that's kind of the way that policy has to work if business can't operate it has to downsize and then when things kind of blow over what then can you just rehire everybody i mean it doesn't really seem like it works that way so what will happen it seems like the economy is just gonna has already lost a lot of momentum and it's gonna be very hard to try to gain that back. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I keep, you know, I think this is a depression, not a recession. And I think, you know, now is the time to kind of look at uh, how we do economy together and how we function as a society together. Uh, we really need to think this through pretty seriously. As an automation, I think when it does come back, it's going to be a chunk of automation that, that starts to come back, which deepens that need. So I think that if everybody and the government's smart about this, we'll kind of retool society. If not, there's going to be uh, a revolt uh, if you leave people out in the cold. Do any of you guys have any ideas of how things could be restructured or things that we can fight for now or ask people to stand for? I, a lot of our rights are being taken uh, right under our noses right now, and that's a lot of things people aren't noticing. What can we do to start some sort of movement forward uh, for the, the problems that we see? facing us that's a really big question that's a big yeah that's a humongous question <laughs> <laughs> it is there's no simple answer to that at all uh i think that you know this is an evolution so you know as evolutions go it's subject to environmental pressure and give and take and you know uh, circumstances tend to dictate tactics in that sense so i think that like i said i think we can start it's been on the political climate for forever universal health care here in in the united states would be one thing that, that we can think about about, you know, because people now, if they lose their jobs, they tend to lose their health care, uh, which is kind of crazy during a pandemic. 
Yeah, I mean, the time Absolutely. is ripe for grassroots political movements. Thank you, Stephen. I really like that. Yes, I, I honestly believe that as well. Um, healthcare is definitely one of those I think the people could fight for right now. Like if there was ever a time to fight for anything and demand something, universal uh, healthcare, I think, is one of those that we could try to find a solution for. Yeah, people are you already are being bankrupted by being by hospitalized with COVID-19. I, I did hear about them. And I think that, you know, people always complain about the cost of it, you know, and that's the first word out of their out of their mouth. If there's any type of opposition to it, it's like, oh, it's going to cost too much. It's like, well, you eliminate the insurance industry altogether, the health insurance industry. So there's a middleman that's a piece of markup that goes away. Also, the incentive of hospitals that want to charge $150 for a Band-Aid, that goes away. You know, so there's an awful lot of costs you drive out of this healthcare by making it single payer or universal type of thing. So I had an idea, and Tim, I'm sure you saw me throw it around a few times, and that is giving the taxpayers back their money in the form of a cryptocurrency and allowing them to pay basically what they want or stick it where they want it to go. I just think that that would get rid of a lot of things like redlining our schools. Uh, I think it would have a trickle-down effect. I think it's there's a lot of problems that that could solve. What are the issues with that? Why can't we do that? Well, defense spending. Who's going to fund defense spending? You know, maybe some people will, but I think our defense budget would be way smaller if that was the case, which is probably a good thing. Uh, we don't need to be eight times the next, more than the next eight nations combined in defense spending. Uh, so I think that things that the government wants to do and the things that the, quote, military industrial complex, unquote, you know, in the sense of, you know, the corporations and the defense industries want to fund, uh, won't get funded if that was a given. But shouldn't it be up to the the people, whether or not that that's where we want to stick our funding, uh, the, a lot of the money seems to go missing as it is and inappropriate spending in that account. I mean, we would have way more control over it and it would actually force the governments to ask us for more funding for that kind of. Well, I, I agree. I love the idea. I think that they're going to resist it because of these types of things, you know, because of the way the system is today and the things that they fund today that really funnels money into nefarious programs or, you know, just programs to make other people you know, wealthy. That's the way that it is now. And those people aren't going to give up their chair very easily. Yeah, I mean, the state's power as it is, is basically entirely predicated upon the nature of fiat currency. And I cannot imagine them conceding that power in any way, at least, you know, not voluntarily. Well, I, I, and I totally agree with you. And that's where I see, you know, we do see the fall of the dollar happening now. And I don't think that it's going to be too much longer before they introduce their own currency to throw us on in the form of crypto. And that's why I think it is smart to get these ideas out there now where people can stand up and be like, okay, well, if we're running things this way, then we want things this way. You know, some sort of, I guess you can call it bargaining or whatever. Uh, we have that power. We have that power with a lot of people out of work and everything like that. People have have nothing to lose right now, especially when a lot of people don't have anything to go back to. You know, we're dependent upon the government to fix these things, knowing that most likely they can't fix these things. So that's why I would say now is the time to stand and demand the things that can be fixed, do get fixed. I have to agree with that, definitely. The message, I, like I said, I think a lot of it's on a lot of people's minds. I think it's just a, as with anything, you know, how do you organize enough of a push and get enough of a grassroots movement to, to do that? And then once it's big enough, keep it going without being 
labeled as fake news or, or a domestic terrorist yeah. cell or something like that. Absolutely. It's about getting the information out. And that that's kind of what I've been pushing. A lot of the things that you see, like a lot of my major you know pushes and stuff is just to wake up, guys. It's time to wake up because there are a lot of possibilities right now, especially with the technology that we have. There's so much that we could apply to make this a new thing. Like while everything's falling apart around us, we can totally rebuild. It doesn't have to be uh, the tragic event that people see that it is. Uh, right now, I think a lot of us are playing the victim and we see a lot of the woes and what's going on and we don't see a lot of the opportunities, unfortunately. I totally agree with that. I agree. Yeah, I, what they say, uh, every every new beginning is, uh, is often a painful ending. There are some pretty interesting economies like spring from the virtual realm right now, like in uh, virtual reality, a lot of people sort of have their own stimulated economies. Like if you look at Linden Labs from Second Life or Sansar, there's some pretty rich people on uh, Entropia. They sell and barter between virtual things. So I have a feeling they could organize things from there too. I'm really excited for the opportunities that VR will. Yeah, that with the 5G, all that biometric stuff is going to be a total world. Uh, I mean, we're just, we're in a text audio thing, but graphical interaction and it opens up a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a, I'm already, you know, into VR just with my PC and it's certainly in its infancy, but even there, it's pretty pretty dramatic how immersive it can be as primitive as it still is right and it's becoming more and more complicated literally every day you know it seems like uh something will blow my mind and then a month later it's like something else will blow my mind and i don't know i've just kind of stopped looking into it i mean if you really think about a pay to play is essentially like working out economies on the virtual level anyway like in gaming like the Fortnite model well like any uh, yeah any massively uh multiplayer type deal or multiplayer it's just people interacting with virtual exchange. So I, I could see that really opening up. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, Fortnite, they were a free game. They put it out and then all of a sudden a bunch of these kids started playing and realized that you had to pay to get all the cool little things. And they've ended up making so much more money than if they had made it like like a disc that you get, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it's a good model. I've heard that's how like they do it with a lot of the apps, right? You basically make it free and then just charge for these little add-ons at like 99 cents and you're making. Right, yeah. Kind of like beta testing, yeah. So, okay. like, uh, League of Legends, you know, like, what, 10 years ago, they, they just had the model where everything is free to play and you can't pay to gain any kind of advantage, but you can pay for like aesthetic things like skins and you can pay to unlock new characters and the free characters like change every week. And I mean, that was their model and it was just wildly successful. So you guys, I do want to throw this out there now. Um, one of my theories is that we're living in a simulation. What kind of simulation? I will not say. I'm not technically saying a computer simulation. But one of the things that get brought up is then who's outside playing the simulation and then why would they build this? Because a lot of people, I guess, don't like life. But here's the thing. Aren't we doing the same thing by jumping into a virtual world and getting excited about this virtual world? Isn't that basically what we would be doing if we were a simulation we are playing ourselves absolutely right and there's no real way to, to know if you're inside the simulation you know it's irrelevant in the sense of it you know you don't know any different but in the sense of a holographic universe or something like that i would i would agree you know that there's more and more mounting evidence that Probably, you know, <laughs> there's, there's lots of probabilities <laughs> in the sense of if you want to go down that rabbit hole again, but there's there's all kind of probabilities. It comes down I to was, being able to exploit the sim. Exactly. Uh, you know, again, gaming the systems, uh, you know, in the sense of learning 
the cheat codes or you know how how to yeah, how, how would to, you hack uh, it right how to manipulate it you're in the matrix and you get out the matrix and you control the matrix you know those types of things we were talking about gaming vr and stuff and it just hit my head that you know it's like you know the government has whole think tanks of game theorists that particularly around war fighting that, <laughs> that uh, you know is a thing professors are giving speeches in virtual spaces all the time this isolation is driving that you know we're definitely coming to a more digital forefront you know of being able to video chat it's like you know you need to see a therapist and video chat the therapist you need to distance learning learn online you know video chat all kind of ways to do this that is one of the conspiracies that i did hear was what's going on right now being confined to our homes and whatnot was just a plan to get us ready for some sort of 5g virtual reality type simulation deal to get us used to being inside our homes and whatnot and there's actually people going around destroying 5g towers i believe like uh, they're, they're going on really big over in china have you guys heard anything about that that's wild yes no yeah oh i think we, you know when they start leveraging the technology against you and somebody posted something i, I responded to it. it's like china is now authoritarian dictatorship yeah there you go <laughs> dictatorship <laughs> uh you know they're they, you know the way that they bonded to this virus is they bonded on a war footing and their citizens were the combatant you know uh, and they utilize that technology against them so i, I can see why the citizens are tearing that crap down it's going to be a double-edged sword though i mean we're going to trade freedom for security and you know they're going to lull us to sleep like brave new world you know with pleasure and distraction what blows my mind is the lack of dialogue about what this biometric stuff would actually be capable of there's really no discussions about like how this is going to affect us what kind of technologies you know they want to roll out regarding the biometrics it's and always JD, after it's over let's complain about it like we are now oh, sorry go ahead i was just going to ask you do you believe that they really haven't done the testing or do you believe that they haven't released the testing that they've done i mean the thing is it's a gray area i think that the tech has always been there it's just that to roll it out you have to have the right technology infrastructure and i think 5g happens to be that because they're using the higher frequency scalar energies and they're really messing with extreme high frequency and if they can get that going then this idea of a hologram you know um they, they could literally run that and juice it through everything they might have to take a lot of buildings down i mean i mean to have holograms everywhere you're gonna have to have a totally different concept of architecture and all that so what if that's something that may, they may be doing with like shutting down the economy and getting rid of a lot of these businesses they can get rid of a lot of these buildings it seems horribly convenient as a starting move stratagem and we're all like uh, rounded up, so it's not difficult to hurt everybody. That is the scary part too about being all rounded. Yeah, I don't up. hear people mentioning that very often. You know, it's kind of like everybody's well, stay the fuck at home. But at the same time, it's like holy shit, guys. You know, I mean, I got Holocaust blood. I don't, I'm not saying any. I don't know who does and doesn't, but I, this shit makes me nervous because I don't. I'm not. I'm not in a hurry to be collected. Trains start rolling in. I ain't jumping on, man. <laughs> I forget who said it. There's the quote, maybe one of you know, it's a lot easier to kill a million people than it is to control them. Um, and that's just kind of a chilling quote. I forget who's... Especially if they don't stock up on any pitchforks. Well, again, you know, I, you look at those gun control legislation and the big pushes for, for legislation of the such, you know, in the sense of, uh, look, I would be the last person to advocate for a violent uprising. I think that that would be an absolute last resort. We've been attacked or, you know, we're being attacked. But I think 
the very fact that millions of people own arms it does act as something of a deterrent this is a lot like the reagan prophecy except it's not the alien invasion what would so quickly unite us jay i swear to god i was thinking the same thing (laughs) when i was listening and derek i was listening to our podcast that we did the first one that you were on with us and you were talking about this being one of your fears someone being able to control a virus and setting it loose and it just made me think of how much i was claiming that <laughs> i was like i think that the government is getting ready to throw out project blue beam there's signs all over that they're getting ready to stage some sort of fake alien invasion or something mm-hmm. because of reagan's whole thing about you know like it's the only way to bring the world together and then when i listened to that podcast i was like oh my god what if derek was right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Greer yeah, talks a lot about, about that. Designer bug, Stephen Greer. Yeah, he's talking. He's kind of one of the only people that has the guts to talk about this. Um, Blue Beam is sort of von Braun's. Well, that's if you believe Carol Rosen. But uh, right. that comes back from like the NASA stuff and all all the stuff he allegedly told her. But if it works out the way Greer was told by Rosin and all these other people that I guess volunteered for the disclosure project, it's not going to really play out necessarily the way the, right. the conspiracy theories come out. Right. It'll, it'll come as a surprise to everyone, I think, well, whatever it does happen. If they have the technology and then they roll it out and then everybody goes, what the hell? We're getting attacked. But I mean, we're just used to seeing airplanes and shit, but these guys got like their friggin' UFO pack ups and shit like that and they just roll that out and everybody assumes it's really happening my stepdad actually told me the other day that he saw like 12 ufos which he i don't know if they are actual ufos but it Mm -hmm. was the first time he's ever had an experience like that and he was shocked they're certainly Um, unidentified yeah yeah so i mean more people are seeing them and it's a lot more and a lot of the people that are actually using some of the protocols that grit talks about which has to do with the the ce5s are seeing more and they're trying to say that's placebo but you have to Mm -hmm. consider a more advanced intelligence is going to want to communicate with a more intelligent being so you're not going to be showing up for all the typical war mongrelers you're going to be showing up for people that are standing for higher consciousness people that are trying to break through the stratosphere so to speak and And they're appearing for those people yeah right Absolutely. And we already have evidence, too, that the mind reading technology like <laughs> that we are coming out with, you know, let alone what someone two million years ahead of us has. You know, well, so the EEG was set up as, um, as uh, for that originally. It was, it was the guy that put it together was trying to prove um, telepathy. So a lot of our tech mm. comes from all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, interesting. And I don't know. Does everyone know what CE5 is? I don't know if you wanted to. Explain I don't. That. Close encounter of the fifth kind. It implies that we could contact other interdimensional or other type of alien species via our minds and our consciousness rather than requiring a face to face meeting, which is what the, the CE3 protocol mm. is based on. It's contact D initiative initiated contact you know mm-hmm. like it's going out and meditating <laughs> so it's like uh what they were practicing for mk ultra essentially yeah they were like using re- remote viewing for, mm, it's remote a form of one thing yeah yeah it's, it's more so of one protocol it's like making your mount your mind's loud enough for ets to hear you <laughs> really it's it's initiating a sighting from what i understand of mk ultra it was like they were using behavior modification and like even torture to exploit mm. psychic uh, psychokinetic capability in the people that were involved. Didn't Tesla believe that aliens could hear him? He believed that he had made one of the first contacts, yes. And he believed they, he course, was from Venus. They made fun. Well, yeah, he was pretty ahead of his curve. Mm-hmm. Um, he used his tech on himself, too. He didn't just believe it was all about the uh, 
you know, powering devices and free energy. I mean, he used his tech for healing and things like that. And uh, he designed the Violet Wand, which was used, uh, I think Sears was actually marketing it for a while until, of course, the FDA came down and seized it as contraband because a bunch of people were stupid or they just wanted to take it out. So this whole thing was conducted through the manipulation of brainwaves. You mean the CE5 or... Yeah, what uh, said the little link was between that and MK Ultra. Are we what talking about like the remote viewing? Yeah, remote viewing is a bit more logical protocol for using psychic capability, where you're quieting the conscious aspects of the mind, favoring the subconscious or the subspace mind to communicate through, while the conscious mind is sort of being fooled or distracted. So I did see a documentary of a guy who, who claims to have gone through that. And one of the things that he claimed to be is some sort of space traveler, that there's this government space team that can actually travel through space time or whatever, but it is like that. It's like a, some sort of telepathy or something like that. Did you guys hear? It's been a constant idea throughout all of those, uh, all the psychic stuff. I mean, even with remote viewing, they had this, this federation, the whole Star Trek thing. A lot of the stuff we hear about in fiction was actually talked about in these subjects first yeah exactly. and that, that's one of the things with science fiction that i kind of i don't know if like i think anything that we can come up with in science fiction we can definitely come up with in reality do you guys believe that i think given enough time yeah yes more than likely because it's happened and it's rippling yeah like something anything it's almost like anything we imagine can we really say that it hasn't happened already or that it isn't gonna happen that's sort of what psychic the what do you call it the the most insane thing about psychic divination would be is that if you can imagine something that means it's happened or if something sh shows you something that hasn't happened it hasn't happened yet but you're seeing it therefore it's just crazy to go that you could see something ahead of time in every other scenario at the same time imagination is just the realm of the infinite you know it's like who's a sure it's, it's definitely not, not a western thing yes <laughs> right. so i love that answer Derek. Well, yeah because imagination isn't usually considered something that actually could happen it's considered something we make up it's considered a side effect of our ego consciousness. wishful thinking right we can't begin to create things or do things without the imagination though i mean i've often said that reality you know, the construct that we live in is profoundly impacted by our thoughts firstly which become words which become actionable constructs in the world uh, and that's how we create divine imagination seeping through reality at the speed of life i need to be a wizard in this life <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything was a cedar an idea in the beginning there's just no way it could be otherwise it's funny you know you were talking about uh, remote viewing and stuff like that in psychic phenomena astral projection which is very similar to remote reviewing if not the same thing um mm. has anybody ever experienced it i have personally experienced it a time or two i have experienced same. it one yes. time astral projection being more of a right brain modality of it but the remote viewing is just a little bit more logical the way it's done it's like step by step yeah that, I, I haven't experienced that could be seen as astral projection but it could also just be seen as like a weird morning fever dream but I don't know. Okay, Derek, I'm with you. So I'm going to go ahead and tell my story and you guys can tell me whether or not it was. So I definitely was sleeping and I quote unquote woke up to my dog barking at me and I was standing in the kitchen and I looked down, I could see my dog and she is barking at me and I run into my bedroom and I see my body there and I like jump back into my body and I legit wake up, I sit up in bed and my dog comes running from out of the kitchen into my bedroom and jumps on the bed. That would classify as out 
out of body experience more than astral because astral is usually involving constructs that are a little bit more you know through the looking glass out of body is more real-time zone so i would say out of body experience but yeah i would say that's an, like a real experience um because like astral has almost like a it's like an overlay right like we're not actually in the real world it's like um, the formless or formative construct area yeah yeah but yeah i would definitely say that was an experience you had Brittany. So out of body, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. when we dream, it's like channel surfing, if you think about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard anything so trippy. And so uh, you guys, where are you or where do you stand on like the Akashic records? I think it's the imagination, but that's just my own limited understanding of what the Akashic records are. Are you talking about the space where all ideas are born? It has like all information about everything. Comes correct? from Hinduism. I, I believe in it because I have had spaces in those moments where information was there, but because of my simple mind, I was unable to learn anything of it, if that makes any sense. It was like trying to teach an elephant how to draw uh, with a quill, or unable to fabricate that into reality and whatnot mm. i also believe that this is where technology has come from so rapidly because some people have experienced this out-of-body enlightenment experience if you will into this projection of where only ideas are born and where they exist anything is possible and when you could actually learn from that and actually put it into action and you know inventions and whatnot we live in an industrial age and some of the ideas that have been born are very quick and astounding how quickly we have evolved in that short amount of time yeah absolutely tesla yeah again back to tesla but yeah basically that's what i mean by akashic records is a lot of people believe that all the information that was is or there will be already exist and it's kind of free-flowing throughout the universe uh tesla was said to be able to tap into this a few people are said to be able to tap into this and one of the i know examples that they use is for the patent office uh a lot of the times people will come up with the same invention at the same time and have no idea that they're doing it so it's almost like this information, you know, drops and some people are able to pick it up while others aren't. But the information was always supposed to drop at that time. I think it's being yeah, called downloads true. now in the UFO community. I don't know about anyone else, but I know Grant Cameron talks about getting downloads. Even Jung's definition of the collective subconscious falls into the Akashic realm because that's how he would describe it. People having dreams or, you know, ideas from all the way across the world. The superconscious, right? Well, or I'm not sure how he defined it because the thing about super in all these, I mean, superconscious, super ID, like I think that refers to like morality or there's so many layers in the way these guys defined it. Like you'd have like super ID, super consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're <laughs> probably lost thinking about it. My understanding is that Jung personally defined the unconscious as specifically a thing that exists between humans collectively. I don't know that he necessarily implied any kind of greater metaphysical reality to it. There are certainly ways you can interpret Jung uh, in Whoa. that regard, but but I've heard that people claim that he really means it in the sense of existing between different human beings collectively. Alchemy was kind of a big deal to Jung. He he pushed a lot of the ideas. He just didn't like, I mean, he was even against the UFO phenomenon initially, and he uh, retracted his statement later on 
saying that it needed to be investigated. So he's kind of he was all over the board with these subjects. He actually thought that the UFO phenomenon might be the birth of the new religion. You know, and that's one of the things that I was starting to see. You were starting to see a lot of Christianity kind of fall by the wayside. And we saw a rise in extraterrestrials. And we saw a push for it for a little bit before the rest of this hit. Where do you think it went? Why do you think we're not pushing that anymore? You think it's just the scare of the virus and we don't want the scare of anything else? Hmm. Yeah, probably. I mean, I know a lot of people in the UFO community are kind of sitting on some information, waiting, because they know it'll get lost in all this coronavirus noise. Because people just don't give a fuck, you know, about UFOs when it comes down to it. You know, only people that care about UFOs care about UFOs. So it's hard to convince everyone else that it's actually even important. I just noticed a decline in that. And I was just thinking about, like I said before, with the whole Project Blue Beam and stuff like that. It was like, okay, well, now that this is happening, they don't need Project Blue Beam. So they just drop the UFO shit, basically. <laughs> Kind yeah, of what maybe, I yeah, maybe like they needed the UFO thing, if nothing else works, or just like a last resort. You did <laughs> also bring up, Derek, you did also bring up another one that I want to point out that's freaking me out as well, is asteroids and comets was another one that you brought up. And now we're being faced with a giant comet that's coming towards us or whatever. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah. Four, four nope. kilometers or something? Wasn't that the one? I don't remember what it was called. It was but I think I remember the size. 4Ks. Yeah, I mean, that was Warner Von Braun's stuff, too. I mean, he talked about getting hit. They were going to use some, a series of false flags with terrorists. and Right, weaponizing uh, space. asteroid scare. Right, yep. And then maybe an alien invasion at the end of it all. So it seems like then we might still be on track for that, right? We have this virus, and then we'll have an asteroid scare, and then the aliens will come. It's a perfect time for the aliens to attack, you know? I could see that, yeah. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, it would be a fake invasion, technically. They would just, it would just be another way of corralling our attention. I would just laugh at all the people and the looks on their faces when they realize that all of us kooky people were right after all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think if they did try to orchestrate any kind of an attack, what would be the most feasible thing to do to disable it? It would be to get access to one of those downcraft and rip whoever's inside of it out and prove that it's probably just one of us well see the problem with that is is we won't have any downcraft to actually rip apart it's all supposed to be holographic basically well yeah, like satellite projections with what greer's talking about they have a lot of engineers that have talked about how they have this tech literally at this point and it would be easy for some of them to come down they said that the foo fighters were taken down even easily using certain types of frequencies extreme low frequency so it wouldn't be completely inconceivable for one of these to come down if they were material craft and they allegedly have it right so. allegedly, what are your yeah. what are your guys's thoughts i don't know if you know titles very well but the battle of los angeles are you guys familiar with that Yes, uh, yeah. Oh, I remember it vaguely. I kind of remember it. Brave I don't remember Jersey. the details. <laughs> I just know it was a large sighting with a lot of, lot of people. And I think they shot at something, didn't they? There was yeah, like... they shot at it a few times. And like they were saying that like they would, bullets would ricochet, like there would be like a ricochet sound, mm. but they actually couldn't see the object, even though there was like, I don't know, like six, how many lights were on there? Four or six, something like that, but like bright oh, okay. lights. And they couldn't see anything, but they were hitting something. And I, yeah. I just, that's one of the things that say to me that something is definitely up there as far as like non-holographic stuff goes. Mm -hmm. I do think there is a real phenomenon, but I think just like the coronavirus, it's going to be used as just another way of getting people's attention. They'll manipulate us and put a spin on it. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that the UFOs aren't here and they're not from somewhere else. There are a lot of crazy sightings, um, like a lot of really big pillar cases in the community that 
you know, it's kind of the foundation. Roswell, you know, what was the one? Have you guys heard of the Cape Girardeau, Missouri um, crash landing in 1941? I have not. Not that particular it's, one, though. No, I mean, it was six years before Roswell. Supposedly, this guy, what was his name? Um, I don't know. I could find it and send it to you guys. But it, he was a, a priest in 1941. And in the middle of the night, someone banged on his door. And he went out, and there was a cop. And basically, the cop said that there was, a, there was an accident, and they needed him to come out and give the last rites to the people that are about to die. But when he got out there, it was straight-up alien bodies. And he gave his last rites to one of the ones that were dying. It was a really interesting story. There's not a whole lot about it, but it was his granddaughter that said, that came out with it after he died because he was sworn to secrecy. It, it's a fun story. I would definitely, yeah, yeah, send it over. I would definitely like to learn about it. I remember learning too about this old one. It was in the 1900s, maybe the 1800s about these blue children. There was a boy and a girl that came up to a oh, village yeah. and like their skin was blue and they couldn't stand like very bright light. So Derek, you've heard about that. Has anyone here else heard about that? Oh yeah. Maybe. They're from like the inner earth like, or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah they claim the to be, yeah. But maybe that's a different ref. Well, the, they they claim to be from somewhere else than wherever their light was. They did best in like the twilight and dusk times is when they were said to be very active. They did better in that light and during those times. And they grew old and they died there. And when their graves were dug up, there were no bodies. So it's like this story of people, these blue people with absolutely no bodies. They just disappeared after they died. Very that's weird. That's a cool story, though. I'll have to find that and definitely link it up so you guys can see that. Because, yeah, it was an older one. You know, Christopher Columbus, allegedly saw a UFO mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. we know it's been going around for a very, very long time. And we do, I know there's some people in here that think that the ancient aliens are just us from the past or whatever that somehow advanced up to that state. Maybe right. warning us not to go down the rabbit hole with all the biometrics and shit. Yeah, it's like we've <laughs> had this ends before. <laughs> Did you guys hear the theory that the, the moon is hollow and that there is people that actually live in the moon and they're the ones watching us? We are the simulation, and they're they're watching us from the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. I think oh, yeah, I heard of that. <laughs> about it ringing like a bell when they uh, hit it with a rocket. I remember hearing about a basilisk on the moon. A basilisk, like a big snake thing. No, I, I always get it. Obelisk, man. I always confuse those two words: obelisk <laughs> and basilisk. <laughs> oh, that, I see what you mean, yeah. uh, one of the astronauts mentioned, it and then he retracted his statement later on. Buzz Aldrin. It, it could it could have been Aldrin. I'm not sure if he was the one talking about it. It was like he was referring to it, like the um, what do you call that? thing in space odyssey the, the monolith he uh, was he's almost referring to it in that context from what i recall i know what you're talking about he said it was put there by god was like one of his statements afterwards like i don't think he believed it was aliens but he mentioned that there was a monument mm-hmm. up there of some kind that guy on, like has, live television <laughs> yeah he's said so many things like strange things and then taking them back you know? so it's like hard to tell with him yeah. i like paul hillier if you want to, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about Paul Hillier, the Canadian Minister of Defense. Um, he's like 90 something now, but, uh, I don't know. He's a big whistleblower type person, always going to MUFON conferences and stuff. Wild. You should look into him. Hillier. Yeah. I was going to say, I have no idea who that is, but I will totally check him out, especially Paul if Hillier. you recommend. Oh, yeah. No, he's, it's one of those you listen to him talk and it kind of gives you chills because if you know what his credentials are and you believe them, it's kind of, kind of chilling. Definitely check it out. So, you guys, then, are we excited about what's coming? So, let's forget about the collapse and blah blah blah. Let's talk about the technology in general. Are we excited about the technology that's coming next, with especially the installation of five G? Or are you guys terrified? Ness and you. I'm excited. I don't like this 5G coming out personally because it's just more radiation. I believe it just it seems too. 
precarious to me and why we need it. We don't need it, but yeah, we're doing it Fine. anyways. There I am scared of it, but I'm also excited. I think, you know, but I'm excited for the opportunities that VR will bring to the art community. I'm excited to start using some crazy stuff to make stuff. <laughs> so long as it I doesn't blot out what we can do mentally, you right. know, in a psychic yeah. sense, I don't think that it should be one path or the other. That's what humanity tends to do is choose one side or the other. This or that. Darvanis, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Or I hope I'm pronouncing that, that right. I did see that you had something to say. You're getting kind of lost in the mix. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think it's just like bad human technology. I think the stuff that the government's been holding back and stuff is going to be a lot better once it's wish. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly think so as well. That's kind of where my brain is with it. I'm personally a little excited about it. I'm terrified and scared at the same time. And I think that's kind of where we should be. And I think that's where it's best to be. Then we can kind of get ahead of what terrifies us and maybe get a grasp on it. Where do you guys see it going with AI? Are you excited about where it's going to go with AI or quantum computing? Quantum computing especially for me. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I know Tim. Tim probably is. He knows a lot about that. I want my own Jarvis. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're just going to have, we'll have little dinosaurs and a little tiny robot. Are you guys excited about robots or are you terrified of robots? Do you see that actually coming or do you think that's just a pipe dream? I think BMIs are the most, more likely scenario. Body mind interface. Robots are yeah. already here. Yeah. I was just wondering if they're facing the same thing over there as we are, like in other countries and stuff. Like I know China is, and China is concerned. Didn't Australia I just is. post Australia is concerned about it as well, or or they're just on the same boat that we are? Yeah, I think they're around the same path as we are, maybe even a little bit further. So maybe they're kind of who we should probably be taking a look at and seeing where we're at. I mean, it's all it's happening all over at once. So I mean, it, it that is definitely a sign that it's just going to happen. It's something that regardless of how how we feel about it, we're going to have to make the best of uh, if there are fears for it, I think, like I said before, just try to get ahead of the kind of stuff that we do fear. I don't know if this is true or not, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard something about Bill Gates spraying some sort of metallic stuff up into the sky to help with the connectivity of this 5G and block out the rays of the sun. Have you guys heard that? I've been hearing a lot about Bill Gates recently, but I haven't heard that. Sorry, you guys are talking about that. when we inhale enough of that? Well, yeah, that's what a lot of people were talking about. Nanoparticles and stuff like that getting ready to control your body there's a lot of conspiracies out there about that i I hear that's one of the reasons why australia's fire was as bad as it was is because the stuff that they spray is basically like magnesium or whatever the same stuff that's in sparklers so they had like this dust of this you know just brought up for all these years laying on this forest floor so even the smallest fires just will be a big blaze also seems possible that if people inhaled it enough uh, you could have people that would adapt to that and somehow have an advantage oh yeah i could see that like if it's been going on their whole life or whatever and they're just born into it like definitely i can see them yeah having some sort of advantage over it (laughs) 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 well obviously you're gonna if you're gonna spray something that highly reactive into the air that's there's something else going on there yeah yeah that's not just for faster internet. Yeah, no, I don't even know if that's true. Like I said, it's just definitely something that's whispered underground and it has been for a few years. I mean, we've all heard, you know, chemtrails or whatever, but they're basically saying that that's what it is and that's what it's been for this whole time. I just discovered that, you know, because we are going to be moving over to cryptocurrency and blockchain, but basically the the principles of blockchain they came up with in 1939. I was just blown definitely away by that. Definitely hard to believe. I mean, that these things have been around for like ever. So 
So I would love to have each and every one of you guys back. It is with that, guys, that I'm going to have to say goodnight. I thank you all for coming, and I definitely enjoyed our conversation. I loved, like, it was all over the place, and we just didn't talk about one thing. That was fantastic, and I think we got a lot of good information out there for the people. The time is now to stand up and learn about what's going on around you, learn about the laws that they're passing right now. I mean, what else are you doing sitting at home? You know, you have to teach your kids, so now is the time for also you to learn. I think it's a perfect time for you to learn. Totally agree. Very true. true. I agree. Oh, yes. Yeah, thank you again (laughs) for coming. I'm going to say goodnight to the listeners, and please check us out on Instagram at Balance Brain Podcast and Twitter at Balance underscore Brain. You can find me on Facebook at John Kennedy, or you can find Brian Kiefer at Brian Kiefer. Thanks, guys, and have a great night.